tonight. Yes. Um, I noticed recently that sometimes um, there might be a tendency to conflate an identity with um, psychological maturation, um, which seems problematic for a lot of different reasons. Um, so I guess I'm wondering if maybe you could clarify um, that difference. Well, I think that um, in the uh, modern expansion of Gaudiya Vaishnavism that uh, swept up and I suppose continues to sweep up uh, new convert, converts and uh, oftentimes um, younger converts. Um, that uh, have not matured in in life mm. um, have that yet uh, to experience and uh, um, it uh, can be very useful uh, Prabhupada as I've sometimes uh, related lamented on occasion that uh, as he put it only my he put it that my grandchildren are coming, but my children are not coming. And what he meant by that was, I'm getting young people, I'm 70, 75, 80, that may be the case, and I'm getting young people in their 20s who would be the equivalent in a family situation of my grandchildren. And the lament was that they did not have the worldly experience and, and maturity um, many of them uh, coming into teens even late teens um, that a person in their 40s and 50s uh, would have and would then uh, be able to share with him and give him feedback with regard to his uh, strategies for uh, uh, dissemination of, of the teachings in um, a country or countries that he was uh, uh, unfamiliar with and uh, learning about as he as he went and so forth um, and so there's a there's a kind of a uh, a depth or a wealth uh, to that um, at the same time, later in life is uh, is not as conducive of the time for change and conversion, I suppose, as early in life. Uh, although people do reinvent themselves these days um, throughout their 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 lives more often, perhaps, than they did in the past. Um, so. Uh, in in saying that, I I don't mean to in any way imply that people should wait until they get mature, <laughs> materially, to uh, take up the uh, opportunity uh, as it presents itself. Of Bhakti Narada Muni made the point, uh, somewhat related, that Chaktivas Chaktivas Swadharmam Charanam Bujamare. He uh, he told Vyas that. Uh, if one takes this up and out of lack of maturity or what may be the case um, does not um, succeed or um, uh, falls, let's say, 
that they're better off having done that than not because they'll pick themselves up from where they are on a trajectory, spiritual trajectory that, that uh, by and large, uh, any gains along that trajectory are eternal, while progress may s- will come to a standstill or slow down, perhaps due to distraction or whatever may be the case. Um, again, when one picks up, which there seems to be an inevitability, uh, about then they would pick up where they left off. So uh, this is the one of the, the strong points, of course, of bhakti. If the practice, the culture of bhakti, uh, as it is, is uh, arising out of the nirguna, then that means it's of an eternal nature. Whereas other forms of yoga, like karma yoga, jnana yoga, are under the um, uh, influence of rajas and tattva and 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 sattva, uh, rajas and tattva respectively. So they're the gains are not eternal. So again, the power of bhakti and therefore um, Narada, the, the classic example of Narada, playing out this very statement uh, to Vyas. Early on in the in the first canto of the Bhagavatam, um, here's an example later on in the, maybe this in the later cantos I forget I mean what canto, but he um, um, maybe third third canto fourth canto he uh, uh, as you know he uh, uh, was given by Daksha ten thousand sons to educate them and. Uh, and then return them as educated people from a spiritual point of view. And rather than return them, he turned them all into uh, into brahmacharis at the uh, to, to, to which Daksha did not respond entirely um, upbeat. And uh, nonetheless, he thought, well, you know, sages can do this kind of thing, okay. Uh, and he made the argument there. Uh, he began the argument he had the thought that later led to the argument um, that which was that they were not mature how do they know uh, you know you get them involved in something like this and it's a serious thing and uh, they're going to forego what life is all about family life uh, and all of the things that are necessary to experience and having had such experience from a mature position, be able to make a spiritual uh, commitment and so forth. And Nard had undercut that, so to speak. So he didn't make the argument, but he he, he almost did. But uh, he gave his second set of 10,000 sons to Nard uh, and figuring that, well, he'll, he'll do, deal differently with them this time. But in fact, he didn't. So Nard took them all and uh, convinced them all to be brahmacharis which then brought out the the brewing underneath uh, wrath of Daksha, a pukka householder. <laughs> it's, a, it's a kind of a it's a it's a pukka means like ripe, like it's kind of a. Prabhupada used to say that sometimes his god brothers referred to him as a pukka householder. It was actually a a um, how do you say a an insult, uh, yeah, a bit of an, a bit of. Hmm? No, a bit of an insult. He's a pukka householder. <laughs> uh, I don't think they meant insult is a little bit strong uh, of a word, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's. Uh, uh, Prabhupada himself was once asked by one of his uh, disciples. Um, about uh, married life and he said something to the effect that I was thinking I, I want to want to fall down something and getting married and propertism and like what's the question of falling down for one who's already fallen <laughs> so saying he's speaking in the same way a household already <laughs> uh, so that there are sometimes some strong statements 
um, like that, uh, even though, of course, we know that there are many great householders. Uh, she himself was married, and, uh, and Brahm, who were Vaishnavas, and of course in the modern era, Bhaktivinoda uh, Thakur is there as an example. Um, but um, there is this case to be made, so to speak, and uh, for uh, the maturity and, and so forth, and and it was leveled against Narada by Daksha. Hmm. Um, I was young and uh, and had taken sannyas at twenty five years old. And there was another um, godbrother of mine in uh, in uh, Los Angeles who uh, had some interest in that order of life, and he had a wife, but he had he had he had no children, and he was uh, quite a uh, enthusiastic preacher. Somehow, rather, uh, we connected and um, discussed, and I encouraged him to, to take sannyas. Hmm. And um, meanwhile, the the leader of the group there in Los Angeles, this was very upsetting to him. He was a householder, quite a, quite a nice man. I liked him quite a bit. Um, he was a householder, and he felt that uh, my encouraging this uh, uh, godbrother to take sannyas was a disturbance what will become of his wife, and he's doing nice service here. If he takes sannyas, he will leave and travel. He's a good man here. He's in our center, and we need him here. Hmm? So what's the advantage of his taking sannyas? Um, it's not necessary, and so on and so forth. This was his thinking. And, um, you know, I had just uh, discussed it with him and encouraged him, and, and I guess I, I think I kind of inflamed the uh, idea that was kindling um, within him, um, and dis- despite the arguments of that fellow, there there is something to be said for that uh, if one has that in- inclination and so forth. At any rate, Prabhupada came to the states just uh, along uh, around this time, and um, he was going to the Rathayatra festivals, and uh, when he came to the Chicago. Rathayatra Festival, this leader of the Los Angeles community uh, was also there visiting. And I had taken sannyas myself only earlier that year. <clears throat> and uh, I was in a room that uh, was close to where Prabhupada's room was, and Prabhupada's door was open, and this fellow had a conversation with Prabhupada about this issue. He didn't ever talk to me about it, but um, he was talking with Prabhupada about it, and I was just overhearing it by being in proximity. And uh, it was almost as if Prabhupada knew I was there or something, and I was a young sannyasi. This man uh, offered many arguments. This is Tripper Armourish encouraged this man, you know, take sannyas and and, you know, it's not necessary, and he's doing good service in the temple. There were these practical reasons. And so and Prabhupada kept giving these arguments back. Well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas. He was only 25, and everything was, you know, going well at the time and so forth. And he kept, you know, they were going back and forth. It wasn't uh, contentious, but um, uh, he would make an argument, probably would re- rebut it very simply, and um, and he would make another argument. Finally, so I'm kind of like listening to this thing. It's almost like Prabhupada was uh, was in, was knew I was there and was encouraging me um, as a young sannyasi. And so he um, finally the fellow said, "Well, Prabhupada, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he was a householder, hmm? and you know who could be a bigger preacher than him." So this was what, what is the need? He's a good preacher. He's, he can be a household. And so Prabhupada said, yes, that is true. Bhaktivinoda, it was a householder and a good preacher. Good. And it was like this moment where this fellow fell like, finally, okay, I've gotten somewhere. And then Prabhupada, I mean, I wasn't there, but I could just see him like, 
then rise up and his eyes get very big and he said, but my Guru Maharaj, he was a sannyasi. <laughs> then the other fellow just, I could just see him melting and you know, that was the, that was the end of the argument. Uh, but anyway, so there's this, this kind of uh, argument is there and uh, reasoning and so forth, uh, hesitate. And then there's the, you know, don't rush in, fools rush in where angels dare to tread. And then there's the opposite aphorism, hesitation. Uh, he who hesitates is lost. Um, <laughs> so there can be, uh, you know, an argument on either side. But anyway, Nar- Daksha, he lost it and he, and he cursed Narada the second time that he convinced the sons, you know, to remain as brahmacharis. And he came full force with this kind of um, argument. Hmm. Very mature. How can they take up such a life? They don't even understand what it what it is. They get the theory, they get something, but still, you know, they're they're young 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 lads. Um, they haven't experienced uh, life, and uh, and they're likely to get distracted and whatever and so forth. So many arguments. Um, ultimately, he cursed Narada. Daksha did that he could uh, never stay in a place for more than three days or something like that. So Nara's traveling life. Um, um, began, I suppose you could say. Um, so the point, of course, of the Bhagavatam is that Daksha was wrong and Nara was, <laughs> Nara was, was, was right. And this is Nara's statement, as I say, and I cited part of it to, uh, to Vyas. Mm. Uh, so, uh, um, we don't want to discourage someone from getting involved. Um, and uh, at the same time, what you're bringing up is the, my experience also that sometimes... A young man or a young woman joins an ashram. They are idealistic, and um, they give themselves wholly to the um, practice and so forth. Um, but the ashram life is such that it's that, they, that it cannot be maintained by them, um, and so they shift into another invalid orientation to the culture. Uh, and typically they marry and have families and so forth. And then they experience, uh, if this happens early, let's say they join at 18 and at, you know, at, at 22 uh, they're, they're often into a relationship and so forth. Then they mature hmm, outside of the context often of a very intense uh, spiritual uh, uh, environment conducive to spiritual practice that the ashram tends to be. Um, and this day and age, householder life in, uh, uh, especially in, uh, in a country like this, where there's no support, it's not like you've got neighbors uh, that are um, also uh, devotees or that uh, you may but uh, it very well may be that you don't or it may well be that there are some devotees in the in the area of the community uh, that uh, you're associated with but you're, you're, you're there's not a lot of much of a place in the society for what you do and and so you're restricted in that you compared to living in a society, let's say, a Varnashram society of the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so forth. So to be a Vaishnava, there was a built-in kind of a support, which would make then the, um, the two environments, the monastic environment and the household environment, less of a uh, contrast between them, hmm? and uh, there would be more support for the householder to practice and mature and so on. But oftentimes, when that's not the case, then 
uh, we get distracted. Householders can get distracted from their practice, and uh, it, can, it may not be as intense and uh, as it was, and so forth. They remember those times often, um, but they mature outside of the ashram, and the maturity gives one a little bit of a bob, you know. Like, you know better. And you see then the new people joining. You realize they don't understand so many things that now you understand theoretically um, and so forth. And um, so there's a, a feeling sometimes of, of, of betterment. I'm in a better uh, situation. Um, you might feel that way because you've gained more theoretical knowledge uh, and you've matured as a person, which has enabled you to reflect on the knowledge that you did have theoretically and so forth. But of course, any of that is only as good as it is applied then and results in actual anartha nivritti, which um, uh, is the displacing of or removing of false values and coming to a very intense uh, spiritual uh, uh, commitment and, uh, and, and subsequent practice. And it can be done in household life. We certainly encourage it and so forth. Um, but there's a, there's a gulf of difference between material maturity and there's a value in that, as I'm saying as well, um, the difference between that and uh, removing anarthas and developing a taste, uh, and so there is a there is a possibility, I guess. Um, it may be I, what I was saying the other day of mistaking that that uh, kind of a maturity for um, having uh, progressed spiritually. You may have a broader perspective, a better mind, uh, in some respects, a more developed uh, brain, <laughs> you know, to, 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 to think about the culture, the practice, and so on and so forth. But again, that's only as good as we apply, then it, it turns into actually applying oneself. And so it's, uh, which, is, which will bring about the cleansing of the heart and so forth and subsequent. Uh, uh, commitment, steadiness, and practice, and taste, and and so forth. And that doesn't come about just by maturing. Hmm. There's value in the maturing. We should use it in Krishna's service. Hmm. And um, and so therefore, it is required in I would say, or uh, uh, certainly if uh, um, recommended. And I think many householders think like this as well uh, that. Those who have gone through this kind of situation where they joined in an ashram, lived in an ashram life for some time, and so forth, there's a, there's a, um, I would say it's recommended that this is the kind of the, you, you, if you look at the Varnashram system, we look at the ashram side, mm-hmm. uh, forget about the Varnas for a moment, but the ashram side, there's the Brahmachari life. And so in the classical Vedic civilization, you'd have the brahmachari. He'd live in the ashram for so many years, from five to 25, and then he or she would, 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 would marry, and that would go till 50. And then there'd be the winding down. So they would take the maturity and the, the having exhausted or expressed themselves in terms of desires and so forth, there was a there was a whole context for it, and this is the time we got like twenty five years now to, you know, work this out, get this out of our system, and and, and do it nicely, and, and raise our children, and and so forth. But that's not all that life's about. It doesn't culminate in that. That's not to be all and end all. There's something more important that we're involved in. There's a place for that, a time for that, um, and you know, when you're a young person, just bursting into uh, maturity, uh, throw the energy into that and so forth. And then, you know, it's, you start to run out of that energy that <laughs> 50 years old and so forth. So then there's the winding down and, and, and the children by that time, if you married at, at 25, then the children are 25 by the time you're 50. 
right? And so then they're ready to go and and do their part, their 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 thing, and then the parents are in a position to return with that uh, wisdom and maturity to their uh, former uh, spiritual practice. Uh, um, not that they give it up along the way, but to a, to a situation where it's more conducive, and that's uh, there, there. There's no other uh, d- d- uh, distractions, so to speak. So it was referred to as the vanaprasta stage, and they would give support to one another, husband and wife, and travel to holy places, pilgrimages. It's a nice. It's a nice system. It's a nice idea. Very nice idea. Um, what to do with yourself. Uh, Um, But you can see that the householder life is one-third or one-quarter of the the whole four-fold ashram situation, three of which are renounced. Hmm? Brahmachari, Vanaprastha, and Sannyas. So there's 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 a healthy emphasis on the renunciation, and it's thought that most naturally that one will go through the period of the householder life. But all this is difficult to put in place in the the modern uh, time and so forth. But that said, again, I think that um, if we uh, uh, um, uh, whether we live in an ashram early in our life, not some people don't necessarily, um, that there, there, there is, uh, and you can mature in the ashram as you go along, and uh, no problem if you're suited for that. Um, um, but certainly, there's a there's a point as we get older where um, these truths, basic truths, really come to bear and are with the maturation, they're becoming more clear, almost like, yeah, I'm not going to be here forever. It's hard to think like that when you're 22, you know, just uh, right out of college and ready to go into the world and make your mark, you know, and so forth. But as you go on, you see, oh, yeah, is it, uh, there's, a new, there's a new generation. They're the thing now. I'm no longer the thing anymore, you know. I'm no longer it anymore, <laughs> okay? It's somebody else now, you know, the, whatever they call them now, you know. Millennials or whatever, you know. Uh, so, uh, uh, so nature, you know, is is is, is helping. And if you have the eye to see through the scriptures and so forth, so as you get older, then it, it, it's clear what uh, what your options are and uh, what's important and so forth. If you had a, if you had a good spiritual education, so so yeah, we shouldn't mistake uh, material um, maturity for spiritual advancement. Hmm. But it can be employed in our spiritual culture in such a way that with that um, material maturity, we may be able to apply ourselves in practices that we did earlier without it in a way that we can get more out of them. Hmm. Uh, But if we mistake it for spiritual progress unto itself, then um, that would be um, problematic and um, and uh, incorrect. Does that help? Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. Um, what else? Yes. Um, referring to Bhakti Rasam Sindhu. How does Rupa Goswami define and explain that the Adini Shakti, internal Shakti of Krishna, is not inherent in Jiva? How does he explain that? Yeah, how, where, and how does he explain that? Uh, well, um, another way to um, think about that is where. Anywhere in the Bhagavad Gita, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, in the Satsandarbha, does it say that the Ladidi Shakti is um, 
uh, part of the makeup of the jivat of the atma. Hmm? Where in the Upanishads, um, let's take the Gita. Krishna explains the something about the atma in the second chapter when he begins to speak to Arjuna. Hmm? Says you're not the body. The atma's like this. It, can't be burned by the fire, withered by the wind, drowned by the water. It's uh, he's very much speaking about it being sat, 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 sat. Uh, um, he never says anything that, uh, of the sort that it inherently has bhakti inside of it. And and and, and what is bhakti? Hmm? And so uh, bhakti is is that. Uh, a manifestation of the internal shakti of Krishna that governs his lila. It makes his lila go round, right? Uh, Yashoda is a personification of bhakti. Radha is bhakti devi, the goddess of bhakti. Krishna's friends and so forth. These are all expressions of eternal, mature bhakti, prem bhakti. That's what they are, hmm? right? So here we are in the material world. We come from Mahavishnu. And um, the reason that we have uh, problems is because there's no bhakti in us. Because bhakti, if it has the power to conquer Krishna, to overwhelm Krishna, which is the, which it does, obviously, in, in Braj, right? Then if it was in us, how could Maya overwhelm us? It can overwhelm Krishna. What to speak of dispel the influence of Maya, right? Um, so anyway, there's no statement in the scriptures that part of the constitution of the jiva is bhakti, or is the ladini shakti. We hear that there are three primary uh, principal, let's say, shaktis of Krishna. He has the internal, to use prophets like, he has the internal energy, he has the marginal energy, and he has the um, what does he say? External. External, marginal, internal. Right? Hmm? So what is, the, what is the internal made up of? Ladini, Samvit, Sandini. Right? That, that's the makeup of it, right? Yes. What is the, the, the marginal made up of? Made up of Asat, Asat, Chit, Ananda, Anu. Atomic portion of Sat, Chit, Ananda. And what is the material Shakti, external Shakti? Asat, Achit, Nirananda. None of its manifestations are eternal. It has no cognizance. There's no inherent bliss in matter, right? These are the three principal Shaktis. So where... Or does it say that part of the internal shakti is part of the marginal shakti? Nowhere. Hmm? So the question that you're asking is one kind of that Rupa Goswami didn't think about, so to speak, because he's explaining it. If you study, or the Bhagavatam explains, in, in such a way that the question shouldn't arise because there are three distinct shaktis, for, as I'm explaining. If, in the context of explaining the three shaktis, one, the marginal shakti, was mixed with an, with an ingredient of the sarup shakti, then, well, we would all know about that because it would be a, a cardinal point of the philosophy. But we don't because it's not a cardinal point of the philosophy. Whereas what is cardinal point of philosophy is that these three are different. Hmm? They're different shaktis. Hmm? They're similar in that Satchitananda, Samvit, Sandini, Ladini, is existence, cognizance, and bliss. And so is Satchitananda. But they're, they're, different words are used because they're, they're, they're the bliss of the, of the Atma uh, is different than Ladini. Hmm? 
uh, and its knowledge is different also. So, different words are used. So there's nowhere that it's in the context of explaining these three shaktis that it's said, by the way, the middle one, the marginal shakti, also has part of the, the internal shakti in it. You've never heard that, right? Right. So, we, we, we look, someone may look for a, a verse that says exactly this point, but in one sense there's no verse that exactly makes this point because it's made throughout the, the scriptures by way of explaining the different shaktis. Hmm? And if you haven't studied that, then you might think that, 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 that well, maybe, yeah, maybe there's some Vladini inside the jiva, but it's not taught anywhere. Hmm? Now, um, that said, um, um, in, uh, in, um, in, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, uh, which you refer to in particular, it is taught that um, the, the, uh, the seed commentary of Jiva Goswami, uh, and, uh, um, well, the teaching of Rupa also, that the seed of bhava, which is the full face of bhakti, right? Bhakti has these, uh, um, it has an active aspect and an, and an, and an, an emotive aspect. So sadhana bhakti is the active aspect where, where bhakti has come to us through sadhu sangha and we have taken it up. Hmm? The opportunity has come to us to chant the names of Krishna. This is a powerful form of, of bhakti. So we respond with our effort on our part uh, to the mercy that's been, uh, merciful opportunity that's come to us. And so we do sadhana bhakti with our senses, with our body, we do sadhana bhakti. When that sadhana bhakti is mature, it matures into bhava bhakti. So let's look at a tree. You know, the tree's got leaves on it. It's got some growth and so forth. And it's a tree. It's an apple tree. Okay, but there's no apples on it. So how do you know it's an apple tree? Hmm? If you know the seed, then you know. Right, and so it, it and it's going to take some time. It's going to grow. It's going to take years, and one day you're going to turn and see their blossoms. Their blossoms, and then the blossoms are going to fall, and they're going to be little fruits. Then you really can say this is an apple tree. You could say it's an apple tree, but it has no apples on it. It's kind of like, well, yeah, but. It's an immature apple tree, right? So sadhana bhakti is like that. It's an immature apple tree. Hmm? But when it buds and f- flowers and starts to fruit, this is bhava bhakti moving in the, in the direction of prem. Hmm? So bhava bhakti, now both aspects of bhakti, the active and emotive Aspects of body are in place of, of bhakti are in place. So, in this sense, bhakti means bhava bhakti. Hmm? We say there's sadhana bhakti, and there is, but it, within bhava bhakti, there there are both things. There's emotion and there's action also. In sadhana bhakti, by and large, it, it's it's mostly activity. Hmm? You understand? So, Rupa Goswami teaches that the seed of that bhava have you heard the term bhakti lata bija? Bhakti lata bija means the seed of the, of the vine of bhakti. Bija means seed. Hmm? Now, the teaching is that you need to receive the seed of bhakti. If it was already in you, why would you need a seed? What is the seed he teaches? Rupa Goswami teaches the seed is, is sadhu sangha. 
So when you associate with devotees whose movement is driven by a certain bhava, then impressions for that bhava are going to come in you, hmm? implant themselves in your chitta, then you're going to take up practices, and as those practices mature and the heart is cleansed and so forth, that, that, that bhava is going to manifest in you. So it come bhakti comes from sadhusanga. How could you have bhakti without sadhusanga? Is sadhusanga inherent in the jiva? Sadhusanga is bhakti. And it's the form of bhakti through which we get bhakti. So sadhusanga is, is not inside the jiva. It's outside. And it's a manifestation of bhakti. And the particular manifestation of bhakti through which bhakti comes within us. So Rupa Goswami teaches that the seed of the bhava comes from sadhusanga. Later he teaches in a section about bhava-bhakti, that, that there is a significant ingress of the Ladini and the Sambit aspects of uh, the Sarup Shakti hmm? manifesting in the Jiva. And this we call Bhava. He says... Bhava is the array of the sun of prema. And it dawns in the jiva, and that dawning is the ingress of ladini and some bit, bisheshatma, a particular combination of ladini and some bit. So, the, the knowing, I am a friend of Krishna, I am the handmaiden of Radha, has a corresponding ladini. Hmm? So the measure or the quality of the sambit and ladini that will be relative to the association and so forth. Hmm? Uh, so it's not that there is no ingress of the sarup shakti into the jiva before bhakti, because bhakti itself, the the, the, the practices, if you will, the, the 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 or the angas of bhakti, well, that's what they are. Hmm? But when we do them with the sense, with our senses in practice and so forth, it's kind of like apprenticeship, imitation of a good thing is a good thing. Hmm? Um, the emotive aspect, the cleansing is going on, the emotive aspect has not fully uh, dawned. And so when it does in a prominent way, then we, we, we say, whoa, it's happening here. Hmm? It was happening all along, but now it's happening in a prominent way because, well, there's nothing, to, there's nothing left to clean, hmm? so I guess you better decorate, right? Hmm? So the, the current's there. As soon as you come in touch with sadhusanga, you're in touch with the sarup shakti. It's making its ingress into you in the form of creating samskars and the chitta for bhakti and so forth. And, and you're being inspired to take up the practice and you're cleansing the heart and doing the practice and you get some bliss and, and it's wonderful. And this is sadhana bhakti. Uh, but at a certain point, well, this cleansing is, is done and in the higher states of sadhana, even, as I say, sometimes the, the what was medicine starts to become the meal. Hmm? Taste, ruchi, no material desires. Hmm? Uh, so, you, obviously, this you, you're starting to live under the influence of the sarup shakti rather than under the influence of the maya shakti. But after asakti, then bhava, it's very, now, the seed... That, that, that sprout, Ankur, Babankur, on the tree, it sprouted. Look, oh, look, there's a fruit there. It's a, it's a sprout. It's, it's blossomed. Hmm? Um, so both the seed analogy hmm, and this 
ingress of the of the ray of the sun of Prem, both obviously saying that bhakti makes ingress into the jiva. Hmm? Then the jiva expresses itself in relation to that bhakti by effort, and and there we go. Hmm? So, point being that uh, Rupa Goswami is teaching. This is the uh, def- defining verse of uh, this, uh, the third chapter of his book on uh, uh, the subject of Baba Bhakti that I cited. Sudha Sattva Visheshatma Prema Suryam Shushamibhak. That uh, Baba Bhakti is the ingress of the Ladini and Sambit Shakti into the jiva, takes over the, the subtle body. Hmm? Hmm. It, 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 it's, a, it's, it's coming in, but now it's taken over the subtle body, so to speak. Hmm. And so, spiritual emotion, staibhav, is uh, sprouting. So, you know, to, again, um, uh, people sometimes say, where is there a verse that says that, you know, Nobody falls from. I think there are some, <laughs> but couldn't. But you know, it's it's in in a way, it's it's like a subject that's not uh, addressed directly because it's so well addressed. Otherwise, that it's just it's not even a not even a question, so to speak. But some of our charges have spoken about that and this issue as well in such a way that it, that it, that you know there is a question, and perhaps they they did that for a preaching strategy and and, and, and you know that has its downside in, in time, so here we have to um, address it but those are some some points that may may help does that bring some clarity yeah, yeah. bhakti's a gift it's not a right <clears throat> if you were to cleanse the atma of all karma, what would come out? A gopa? A gopi? Uh, a, a, a Vishnu dutta? Hmm? Uh, or what? Neither of them, but if they had association and they were doing bhakti, then it would be relative to the association. They'd become a Vishnu bhakta. He'd come out with four arms. <laughs> Uh, because of the association, or as a, as a friend of Krishna, as a servant of Radha, and so forth, by association. Otherwise, what, what happened to Sukadev? Sukadev was completely cleansed of any material desire. Right? It's the central story of the Bhagavatam. Sukadev uh, left home as soon as he was born. He had no material desire. He was an Atmarama. So he was fully taking pleasure, Atma Ram, Ram means to take pleasure, in the Atma. So he was living in the Atma. He was not at all um, uh, looking or turning, looking at or turning to any manifestation of material nature in order to be happy, to be protected, to be secure, to be fulfilled. He was self-realized, Right? This is a central theme of Bhagavatam, that the main speaker of the Bhagavatam, his history is there. He was Atmarama, self-satisfied, completely self-satisfied. He left home, is the story, immediately went to the forest, just living in the forest, just uh, meditating on the self. Atmarama is the word used. He was taking pleasure fully in the self. If Bhakti was in there, then if he was fully exploring all that was in the self, he would have found bhakti and he would have become a devotee, but he wasn't a devotee. It wasn't until Vyas sent the uh, woodcutter, gave the woodcutter some verses from Bhagavatam about Krishna and said, chant these in the forest when you go and maybe my son will hear them. He doesn't know there's something more to be learned besides the atma, much more. So when he, he was pure, when he heard the verses... They, 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 they brought about a, an attraction in him. He had no attraction to the material world. He was fully con- self-content. Now he heard these verses and he became attracted to, the, some, to them, which seems like something external. It's external to the Atma. 
right? It's bhakti. But it but it, it, it at the same time that bhakti gives the Atma the opportunity to pursue its full potential to love hmm? its source rather than just itself. I mean you can know yourself, but if you don't know yourself's potential, hmm? then do you know yourself fully? Hmm? So in relation to bhakti, we have a potential now. Hmm? So he realized that. He went and then he learned, and then he studied Srimad Bhagavatam. Why did he have to study Srimad Bhagavatam when he was already self-realized? This is the main story of Bhagavatam. He had to study Srimad Bhagavatam even though he was fully self-realized because there's more hmm, to spiritual life than self-realization. Hmm? And it's bhakti. And if bhakti were inherent, then with full self-realization, you'd be fully a devotee. But people get self-realized and they don't necessarily have bhakti. Some of them become self-realized and merge into Brahman because that's their desire and that's their, their, their sadhana and that's their, uh, a result of their um, kind of association they've had. Hmm? So bhakti is another thing. Bhakti is what is, makes the leelas of Bhagavan go around. Hmm? Then there's the Maya Shakti, makes the makes the, our movements here go around. And then there's us. We can go on one side or the other side. We can try to stay in between. Like Sukadev. Hmm? But then your full potential may be self realized. But what your potential is, you don't know if you're not if you're not familiar or acquainted with an environment of a spiritual nature. Hmm? That's what bhakti, bhakti bhakti provides. You understand? Mm-hmm. So it's a central theme of Srimad Bhagavatam. That even though he was self-realized, he didn't have bhakti. So what he found everything that was in the self. Mm-hmm. All, all that was covering the self was completely gone. Mm-hmm. And he was living in the self, the Atma alone. But he had no bhakti. Because it wasn't there. You understand? So it's the central theme of the whole whole book. One of one of them. Hmm? Therefore, therefore he, therefore he studied Srimad Bhagavatam. Then he became a bhakta. Hmm? Then he became qualified, after hearing from Vyas, to offer the comprehensive remedy hmm? to uh, Sukadev Goswami to Parikshit Maharaj. Hmm? That's pretty clear evidence, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Something else? No. What's the time? Seven thirty six. Devi ki jai. Suman Mahaprabhu ki jai. Nitananda Abhadutu ki jai. Gaur Bhakti Brinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi. Go.